भगवते वासुदेवा से पंचतत्वी पृथ्वी आसियाेमंडातेर मुद्रा उघाटरिस्टिक्स कृष्णा आर अंडरस्टूड टू बी अ स्टोर हाउस ऑफ ट्रांसेंडेंटल लव ऑल दैट स्टोर हाउस ऑफ लव सर्टनली केम विथ कृष्णा वन ही वॉज प्रेजेंट it was sealed but when shri chaitanya mahaprabhu came with his associates of the panchatatva they broke the seal and plundered the storehouse to taste transcendental love of krishna the more they tasted it the more their thirst grew for it purport by his divine grace ac bhakti vidanta swami Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is called Mahabadanyaya Avatar because although he is Shri Krishna himself he is even more favorably disposed to the poor fallen souls than Lord Shri Krishna when Lord Shri Krishna himself was personally present he demanded that everyone surrender unto him and promised that he would give he would give one all protection but when shri chaitanya mahaprabhu came to this earth with his associates he simply distributed transcendental love of god without discrimination shri rupa goswami therefore could understand that lord chaitanya was none other than shri krishna himself for no one but the supreme personality of godhead can distribute confidential love of the supreme person hare krishna i am very grateful to be with you again today we are celebrating Gaur Purnima On this day Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu descended from the spiritual world upon this earth to perform his pastimes Shila Prabhupada is citing Rupa Goswami who is explaining the nature of Lord Chaitanya's lila in this world. Namo Mahabadanyaya Krishna Prem Pradaya Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namane Gauratveshena We have chanted this beautiful sloka 
हे कृष्णा करुणा सिंधु दीना पांडु जगतपते गोपेशा गोपीका कांता राधा कांता नमोस्तुते कृष्णा इज करुणा सिंधु मींस ही इज एन ओशन ऑफ मर्सी कंपैशन काइंडनेस And the scriptures describe the nature of this ocean. It has no shores. It has no bottom. It is unlimited. And although it is unlimited, it is ever expanding. We cannot cross this ocean. Shiva, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu described to Rupa Goswami that Krishna's love and a description of bhakti or devotion to Krishna is a limitless ocean. But even a particle of a single drop from that ocean can totally flood the entire universe. This is hard to comprehend with our logical 21st century Kali Yuga brain substance. <laughs> but with faith it can be revealed and we can grasp it. A limitless ocean that has no boundaries, no bottom. and yet a particle of a single drop from that ocean can completely inundate and flood the entire universe that is krishna karuna sindhu that is the nature of his love for us and he reciprocates bhakti means the reciprocation of the love between krishna and his devotee Bhakti doesn't mean just some abstract concept of devotion that helps us to become liberated. Therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu begins his principles of bhakti by teaching Jivara Swaropoik Krishnara Nitya Das, that we are eternally servants of Krishna. Bhakti is to serve with love. and when we serve with love love that is ahoitaki apratihata unmotivated by selfish interests or any type of egoism love that is for the pleasure of krishna samsidhyar haritoshana if it is actually for the pleasure of krishna it will not be disturbed or interrupted by circumstances because that love is not reciprocated on the basis of material conditions or circumstances it is the exchange of the will to please the beloved 
And for one who tastes the sweetness of prema or love of God, or one who truly wants to experience that, then the circumstances in this world, Krishna says, patram pushpam palam toya. If, you, if one even offers me a leaf, a flower, a little water, or a fruit, with devotion, I will accept it. Now, usually you need hands to make an offering. But actually, if your hands are cut off, it's not an impediment. Now, how do you offer a leaf without your hands? You're not supposed to do it with your feet. But even if they cut off your feet, well, maybe then I, I can offer with, on the top of my head. But even if they cut off your head, <laughs> there's no impediment. You can say, well, I'll offer it with my heart. But even if they do a surgery and take out your heart, <laughs> still there's no impediment. Because it's the soul's nature. When we have the will to please Krishna, and whatever we use, our heart and our brain and our head and our hands and our feet, Savai Mana Krishna Padaravindayo, they are all meant simply for pleasing Krishna. This world is actually a fantastic, beautiful spiritual place if we see that whatever we're given are just items <laughs> that can be used to facilitate beautiful offerings to Krishna. Then we see the spiritual nature of this universe. But as long as we're trying to enjoy individually or collectively, independent of the, that natural quality of the soul, to love and please Krishna, then it really is the material world. Janma mrityu yadi dukkha doshana darshana. That in this material world, birth, old age, and disease, and death come on everyone. It's a place where there's so much misery. But a devotee sees the same things that are causes of misery to one who is an illusion, a devotee sees those same as opportunities to grow in our bhakti by utilizing them for the proper purpose. This is yukta vairagya. The highest renunciation is not just this body's a lump of ignorance, let it die. Because if you have that consciousness, then it will die again and again and again, and it will be born again and again and again. This body is Krishna's property. As long as there's a single heartbeat or a, or a tiny little breath that's in this body, let me use it for Krishna. And it's that will that is bhakti. And that will is expressed with whatever potential we have. Krishna appeared in this world 
and he is ocean of mercy, unlimited ocean of mercy. And he's also Dinabandhu. That means he's most kind and as a friend to those who are in the most lamentable condition. It's one of the favorite names of Krishna, Dinabandhu. Because we're all very fallen. And our only qualification to get out of our fallen condition is that Krishna is the friend of the fallen. But Krishna reciprocates according to how we approach him. If we're in a fallen condition and we simply try to figure things out ourselves and make our own solutions, then whether through virtuous activities or unvirtuous activities, we, can, we perpetuate that condition. This material nature of three modes is very, very difficult to overcome. This divine nature of Krishna. But one who takes shelter of the Lord can easily cross over it. The Srimad Bhagavatam tells that this ocean of material existence which is impossible for any mortal to over, to cross over. When we take shelter of Marari or Krishna, it becomes the same quantity of water that is contained within hoofprint of calf. That is how Krishna is Dinabandhu, Jagatpate. He's the Lord of the universe, and he's the friend of everyone, if we turn to him. Krishna comes to this world again and again. Yada yada hidharamasya glanirbhavati bharata. Just to remind us that he's our friend <laughs> and he's within our heart and he's waiting for us. Just turn, just turn to me. Since time immemorial, you've been chasing after the mirages of this world with the, that are giving you false promises for happiness and for peace. Just turn to me. I will uncover the illusion of maya and you will see your eternal existence and your love for me. And even greater than that, you will experience my love for you. That is bhakti. It is relationship. But Rupa Goswami is teaching us that Lord Chaitanya is even more magnanimous than Krishna. How is that possible? How can anyone be more merciful than that person who is an unlimited ocean of mercy? 
How can anyone be more kind to the fallen than Dinabandhu Jagatpate, the supreme lord of everything, who's the friend of everyone? It's impossible. Can anyone be more merciful than Krishna? It's impossible. But Krishna is a chintya. That means he's inconceivable. Krishna makes the impossible possible while it remains impossible. (laughs) This is the logic of bhakti. (laughs) And this particular verse that we are reading from Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita is explaining how the all-merciful can be more merciful than the all-merciful even though he's the same person, but he's appearing as different people. And not just one person, but five people. <laughs> and yet that five people are one person. And that one person is none different than one person who is two people. <laughs> And it's eternal. <laughs> Whatever I just said, it's all eternal. <laughs> He's describing here the Panchatattva, who is the one Supreme Lord Krishna who has appeared in five features as Lord Chaitanya and his loving, intimate expansions and associates. And he's described here that when Krishna appeared in this world, the characteristics of Krishna are understood to be a storehouse of transcendental love. Now again, in the eternal realm, a storehouse means no beginning, no end, no limitation to the supply. Now, how big would you have to make a go-down for unlimited supplies that are ever-expanding? That is the storehouse of love of God, that Krishna... Krishna brought this storehouse with him when he came to this world. Although that storehouse of love certainly came with Krishna when he was present, It was sealed. Hare Krishna. (laughs) And Srila Prabhupada in this purport explains, Krishna performed his pastimes in Vrindavan. And then later he went to Mathura and to Dwarka. And in the meanwhile he went to Kurukshetra and spoke Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita is the essence, the summary study of all the knowledge of all the Vedas, of all the scriptures, of all creation. And it culminates, Sarva dharman parityasya mam ekam sharanam praja. Aham tvam sarva papibhyo moksha yishamimasucha. In the 18 chapters of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna explains such detailed knowledge and how to practically apply that knowledge to our life, whoever we are, wherever we're at. 
He describes the na- ishatattva, the nature of the supreme controller of all controllers, or God. The impersonal, all-pervading Brahman, the Paramatma, who is localized, sitting within the heart of every living being as our friend and witness, and Bhagavan, the supreme opulent personality of Godhead, the cause of all causes, who's all attractive, and the ultimate object of love, and the ultimate lover, Isha Tattva. And he describes Shakti Tattva, the nature of his incredible energies, there are limitless energies of the Lord. And they're all coming from one energy, the Haladini Shakti, his energy which facilitates prem or love. And he describes the Jiva Tattva, the infinitesimal living beings who are all eternally subordinate to him. In the Upanishads, there is the beautiful verse, Nityo nityanam chetanas chetananam eko bahonam kama. There is one supreme eternal who is like the sun. And there are limitless, infinitesimal eternals who are like the sun rays emanating from the sun. The jivas, the, the limitless eternals who we are, are eternally subordinate to the one supreme eternal. Mamayvam so jiva loke jiva Krishna tells, all living beings are part and parcel of me, qualitatively one with me, eternal, full of knowledge of bliss, quantitatively different. Quantitatively, the Lord is always the supreme source of everything. The complete whole. And we are forever his loving parts. The loving part never wants... The loving part, in its perfected stage, does not want to become Krishna, but wants to love Krishna and please Krishna. Krishna's opulences are so beautiful and so attractive. And he reveals those opulences just to attract our love. Krishna never falls into illusion. Krishna never forgets his supremacy. Aham sarvasya prabhava matta sarvam prabhartate iti matva bhajante mam buddha bhava Krishna tells in Gita, I am the source of all material and spiritual worlds. Everything emanates from me. He's the controller of all controllers. Krishna's controlled by the love of his devotee, but that is by his own sweet will. Krishna being subordinate to the love of his devotee is only to increase his pleasure and the pleasure of his devotees. 
Now, for a jiva, when we forget our identity as eternal servants of Krishna, lovers of Krishna, we suffer in this world. We're subordinate to maya. Yes? And some philosophers say, actually, you are God. <laughs> well, if I'm God, why am I in such ignorance? And if that person's God, why is he killing people? And if that person's Krishna, why is he slaughtering cows and eating their meat? How could that be Krishna? He's just forgetful that he's Krishna. <laughs> but when we forget, we have no capacity to come out of that forgetfulness. So how are we controllers of all controllers? How are we the Lord of all we survey? And when we forget, we suffer. When Krishna forgets, it's to increase his enjoyment. And if somebody says, well, actually, I'm just increasing my enjoyment. <laughs> Anyone could talk like this. But is it making other people suffer, or being in anxiety, being frustrated? And so many little things frustrate us. Just one little thing doesn't go our way. We're so frustrated. <laughs> We're controlling, controller of all controllers. It's very, material nature is very embarrassing. If you're humble, it's not embarrassing. Because if you're humble, I know I'm just very... Krishna saved me. But if we have this pride that I am God, then in the middle of your speech, talking about how you're God, you have to leave to pass stool. <laughs> so what is that? We never see, Krishna didn't do that in <laughs> Battlefield of Kurukshetra. <laughs> Krishna's the controller of all controllers. But in order to actually understand, when we really understand how Krishna is Aishwaryasya uh, Samagrasya, he's full of six opulences. He's complete beauty, complete fame, complete knowledge, complete wealth, complete fame, complete renunciation, and ultimately all of that supreme opulences is only meant for one purpose, to attract our love. And to love, to love and love, to, 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 for Krishna's, to experience Krishna's love and to love Krishna. That's actually the one and single purpose of all existence. So simple. We make things so complicated. So when we have some little infinitesimal particle of a drop of understanding of how beautiful and how wonderful Krishna is and Krishna's love is, there's no possibility if, for a devotee, I want to be God. We just want to serve God. We want to please God. 
We understand our complete dependence on Krishna. And that's where love really awakens. It is described in Chaitanya Charitamrita that Krishna appears within this universe of ours once in a day of Brahma in his original transcendental form. There are four yugas. In each of these yugas, the Lord appears as a yuga avatar. Yada yadahi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharata abhyutanam dharmasya tadatmanam srijamya. And when the Lord appears, comes to establish true religion. And according to time, place, and circumstance, the Lord establishes the true religion that's accessible and practical to the people of that time. In Satya Yuga, the primary practice of religion is dhyan, meditation. Meditation on the form and the glorious qualities of the Lord. In Treta Yuga, it's performing of yajna, sacrifice. In Dwarpa Yuga, it is, according to Narada Pancharatra, to perform the worship of the Lord in the temple, puja. And in Kali Yuga, it is kirtan, the chanting of the holy names. So this is all the different four yugas. The Lord comes specifically to teach these principles. In one day of Brahma, there are 71 Divya Yugas. A Divya Yuga is the four Yugas, one full cycle. It's a long time. Seventy-one Divya Yugas in one Manu. In a day of Brahma, there are fourteen Manus. This is approximately a day of Brahma, four billion three hundred million years. The Supreme Personality of Godhead from his abode of Goloka descends to this world once in a day of Brahma. Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami explains why. That Krishna, Krishna is thinking that he is especially pleased when he reciprocates with his devotees the four primary rasas or mellows of love. Servitorship, friendship, parental affection, and conjugal love. Krishna is subdued by that love when it is not um, limited by the awareness of Krishna's supreme majestic greatness. 
in Vrindavan, Krishna, he is the friend, the child, and the lover of his devotees. So once in a day of Brahma, Krishna reveals these beautiful loving pastimes. He brings Yamuna with him from Goloka. He brings Govardhan. He brings the forest of Brajbhumi. And he brings his loving associates, Sri Radha, Lalita, Vishaka, Nanda, Yashoda, Sridama, Subala. And we read in Srimad Bhagavatam some of the beautiful pastimes of Krishna. So Krishna reveals these pastimes just to attract our hearts. And in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells the nature of God, the nature of the living entity, the nature of karma, the laws of action and reaction within creation. He tells the nature of how we are all under the influence of supreme power of time and material existence, prakriti. But after explaining so many wonderful topics, he concludes with this verse, sarva-dharma-parichyasya. If you really want to understand any of this, you must surrender to me. That's the seal. <laughs> Anybody with some scholarship can study Krishna's Ras Lila and all the different um, technicalities of Ras. But to actually enter into that loving relationship with Krishna only possible by Krishna's grace. It is the descending process. Never understood just by our academic intellectual prowess, by our capacity to perform austerities, tapasya, however severe they may be. It's not possible by the quantity of, of, of charity that we may give. It's only possible by Krishna's grace. And Krishna reveals his grace according to our surrender. And what is surrender? That's the deepest subject, sharanagati. It means on the path of bhakti to actually give up our ego to please Krishna. It's the deepest subject. So Krishna performs his beautiful Ras Lila and he performs his Gopa Lila with his cows and his cowherd boyfriends. He performs his Damodar Lila with Sri Yashodamai. But to actually understand true in truth and enter into these pastimes, to realize them, there's a seal. And only Krishna can open that seal by his grace. But Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is Krishna himself, he comes again 
to break that seal and make it accessible to everyone, to anyone, without discrimination, without concern of a person's birth, qualifications, disqualifications, or where they're from in the world. Through kirtan, he is distributing this love of God, this revelation of the higher rasas of Vrindavan. After Krishna disappeared from this world, he was thinking that in every age I come as the Yuga avatar, and now Kali Yuga is coming. The Yuga, the Yuga Dharma is Harinam Sankirtan. I will descend into this world to inaugurate the Yuga Dharma. And at the same time, I will make the whole world dance and enjoy the four rasas of Vrindavan. In order to do so, I will accept the role of a devotee. Teach by my own example. In the Gita, it is said, Yada yada hi dharmasya glanir bhavati bhavati. That the Lord appears again and again and again whenever there's a rise of irreligion and a decline in irreligion. He comes to establish true religion, to protect his devotees, to annihilate the ignorance of miscreants. And Krishna also tells, what great people do, common people follow. So Krishna was thinking, I myself will come in the form of my own devotee to set the example, to teach them how to love Krishna. Who knows better how to please Krishna than Krishna? Who knows better how to love Krishna than Krishna? And the absolute truth is one, but is forever in two forms. Radha Gopinath. Radha is the supreme lover. Who knows better how to love Krishna than Krishna? Radha. Who's Krishna? <laughs> And who knows better how to please Krishna than Krishna, Radha, who is Krishna, but is eternally Radha. <laughs> Radha Krishna Pranaya Vikratir Ladini Shakti Rashman. The absolute truth is one, but is eternally in this. So Lord Krishna appears with the love and the complexion of Sri Radha. The supreme devotee comes to show us, by example, how to be a devotee. Lord Chaitanya, he came to teach this Harinam Sankirtan, the Yuga Dharma, but he did it in a special way. Because generally, 
It's the plenary expansions and incarnations of Krishna that comes as the Lila avatars and the Yuga avatars. But Krishna was thinking that only I myself personally can bestow the loving, intimate relationships that have exclusively enjoyed by the residents of Vrindavan. So I will appear in the role of my topmost devotee, Sri Radha, in the role of a devotee to, to, to set by my example these highest principles and I will appear in the land of Sri Nadia. Gargamuni in Srimad Bhagavatam, during the name-giving ceremony of Lord Krishna, he told Nanda Maharaj that this son of yours appears in the different yugas with different colors. He has appeared in a white complexion in Satya Yuga, red complexion in Treta Yuga. He appears in a yellow complexion in Kali Yuga, and now he's appearing in this very dark bluish complexion. Essentially, that's what he was saying. Krishna varnam visakrishnam sangopanga saparashanam yagyai sankirtana priyai yajanti hi sumedasa. The Bhagavatam tells that those who really have good intelligence, they worship the Supreme Lord through the congregational chanting of the holy names of this age of Kali, Krishna is worshipped through the congregational chanting and the Lord appears, not in a blackish complexion, although he's Krishna himself. So the great Acharyas recognized that that beautiful golden form of the Lord is Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he came along with his associates, the Panchatattva, to break open the seal of love of Godhead, the treasure house of Krishna's Vrindavan Leela, and to distribute the contents. To set their example, Lord Chaitanya and his associates they were chanting and dancing and tasting the sweetness, the nectar of love of God, the limitless nectar. They were thirsting for that nectar and they were drinking it and drinking it and drinking it and they were completely mad in the ecstasy of that love. But the nature of that love itself is compassion. Lord Chaitanya and his associates distributed this love of Godhead freely. The Srimad Bhagavatam tells, especially in this particular time that we're in, it's the best time to be born. Now, Satya Yuga, everything's really nice. Everyone's nice to each other in Satyuka. Every now and then there's a Hiranyakashipu. 
but otherwise it's it's the golden age people are all religious and they're spiritual and they're seeking self-realization and they have culture and they have manners and more or less there's happiness death comes but until death there's more or less almost all happiness in everyone's life in sati and Treta Yuga, Dwarpa Yuga, and Kali Yuga, the Iron Age. It's a time of quarrel. It's a time of hypocrisy. It's a time when our memory is really dismantled. Other Yugas, you could remember everything. In Satya Yuga, you could remember every aspect of your life instantly. And they're all nice memories. Hmm? Kali Yuga... It's Krishna's mercy we forget. <laughs> There's so many bad memories, so many pains, and so many disappointments, and so many, so many things. And our duration of our life is so short and so subjected to diseases and anxieties and terrorism and irreligion and cheating, and so much materialism, and greed, and lust. When we read the newspapers, we think, who wants to live in Kali Yuga? (laughs) There's rape, and there's terrorism, and there's imminent wars, and there is wars. There's nuclear bombs pointed everywhere. Very difficult. But the sages, they worship Kali Yuga. Why? Because in this age, the Lord comes as the Yuga avatar, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and gives the highest, highest thing. And all we have to do is really just accept it and follow what he's asking us to do. And he's willing to give us that in that storehouse of the love of God of the residence of Vrindavan. And Panchatattva taught us by their example. And what was their example? When, whenever they came together, they would just discuss Krishna. And whatever way they were doing, it was always intimately connected with the chanting of Krishna's names. And their greatest form of relationships with Krishna and with each other was Harinam Sankirtan. The Panchatattva were chanting all night in the house of Srivas. And they were practically chanting and dancing most of the day. So please, Krishna. Gopi Bharatur Padakamaliyora Dasa 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 Anudas. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught through his devotees with himself. Everyone was the servant of the servant of all other servants. The internal reasons for Lord Chaitanya's coming. was he wanted Krishna himself 
wanted to understand, he desired to understand the glories of Radha's love. Because although Krishna is Rasa Bihari, he is the supreme enjoyer of all rasas. The type of transformations that he would see in the heart of Sri Radha and her love was something that he wanted to taste himself. And Krishna wanted to um, understand the wonderful qualities in himself that she alone could relish through her love. The Chaitanya Charitamrita describes Krishna's thinking that his love is ever-expanding and endless. And his qualities, his attractive features are limitless. And Sri Radha's love is like a mirror which reflects his beauty, his qualities, and his love. And when Krishna's all-attractiveness touches the mirror of Sri Radha and reflects, it expands even more so. Krishna wanted to taste the sweetness that Radharani tastes when she experiences his love. So these are the three internal reasons why the Lord appears with the Mahabhav of Sri Radha and the beautiful complexion of Sri Radha. And the external reasons was to fulfill his words in the Gita that he descends again and again and again to establish true religion and to establish the Yuga Dharma. And there was another reason, which was made all made these ex, these other principles very very personal he descended to satisfy the desire of his devotee shri advaita prabhu i'd like to briefly speak on this subject the lord descended into this world to taste the sweetness of Radha's love, to understand the glories of her love, and to understand his own attractive qualities from her perspective, and to taste the happiness she feels when she experiences his love. At the same time, in the mood of Sri Radha, he wanted to, as the supreme mother of compassion for all living beings, she wanted to distribute her love through the Yuga Dharma of the chanting of the holy names. Sri Adwaita Prabhu, who is Mahavishnu and Sadashiva, he's the original Shiva and he's the original Purusha Avatar. 
who the entire the entire universal creation is manifested from. He was living in Sri Navadweep Dam, Shantipura Navadweep, on the banks of the river Ganga. And he was seeing the condition of people, both virtuous and sinful, how they were all in the clutches of illusion, forgetful of their true spiritual identity. The nature of consciousness is we evaluate things according to our particular experience. A rich person sees poor people. We're talking about economic wealth. A rich person really feels sorry for poor people if he's attached to his riches. A poor person who's suffering may feel, I wish I could be like that rich person. So they're seeing things in a very different way. According to our particular state of consciousness, our particular condition, ego, we see the world. That's what material existence is. What's right and what's not right is very much subjective. According to our sex, according to the color of our skin, according to which religion we're in, according to which nation, nation we're born in, according to our particular state of health, according to our academic con- qualifications, we very much see the world through the lens of those things, and everybody sees everything differently. Some grihastas look at brahmacharis and see those poor fools <laughs> sleeping on the floor. They have, they have degrees in IIT, and they're sleeping on the floor and eating kitchery. <laughs> Nonsense. Yes? And some brahmacharis look at grihastas, but poor fools. <laughs> you know, they going to work all day and slaving away from such a stupid, insignificant, useless thing as money. <laughs> so everyone is seeing things in a different way. Americans, they come to India and they see millions of people watching cricket games. <laughs> They're thinking, what these people are wasting their time with cricket, which is useless. <laughs> they don't understand what is cricket. <laughs> I will confess, I've been in India for 45 years and I still can't figure out what cricket is. <laughs> And when I see the people of India rejoicing over cricket, I think, so what? (laughs) So material world, everything is very relative. But when one loves Krishna, one sees everything in respect to that love of Krishna. Advaita Charya had ecstatic love for Krishna. He understood the joy of loving Krishna. He understood the complete liberated nature of love of Krishna. It's totally beyond birth and death.
death and its pleasure and pain and all of these other things. There's two ways of explaining happiness. Sukha and Ananda. Now generally, Sukha is is inseparable from Dukkha. Griheitako bonnetako Boletako Sukhe dukhe bulonako Vadane harinam korore This is Lord Chaitanya's message. Whether you have a wife or a husband and children and job, or whether you're a brahmachari sleeping on the floor and eating kitchari or living in the forest, doesn't matter. If you chant the holy names of the Lord, you go beyond sukhi You go beyond happiness and distress. Because today you experience something higher you experience Krishna's love that's beyond any limitations of time, death, anything so when you when, when you actually are in that consciousness Krishna consciousness then seeing people enjoying the sukha of this world the happiness of this world almost makes you cry. Why? Not because you're jealous of them. Because you know that that sukha is so limited. It's so circumstantial. It only touches the ever-changing bodily senses and mind and there's nothing beyond. And very quickly, it will become dukkha. It will become suffering, because it's temporary. The eternal soul, there's not any real happiness trying to enjoy temporary things. That's sukha, material happiness. Pious life brings sukha. When we give in charity, when we're honest, when we're humble for material purposes, when we're respectful, when we're moral, we get sukha. It's good. We get happiness in return. That's the way the laws of karma are. And when we engage, when we lie, or when we cheat, or when we're arrogant, dukkha, suffering. It's all within the three modes of nature. Now, according to the scriptures, we must come to the level of living in sattva sattva guna before we could transcend the modes of nature. So from the bhakti perspective, living with humility, morality, honesty are necessary qualifications because they bring us to sattva guna. But on that sattva guna, we simultaneously are offering everything for the service of Krishna, understanding we're the eternal servants of Krishna. And with whatever we do, we understand the connection we have 
through the chanting of the holy names. Without bhakti, without devotional service, morality or immorality, they both are very limited states where we have to suffer. So when we actually become self-realized, when we actually taste even a little tiny drop of, of devotion, real devotion to Krishna, there's nothing to be envious about in this world. And there's nothing to be arrogant about because it's all based on the false ego. It's all, it's all um, symptoms of forgetfulness of Krishna. In such a state, when we actually understand Krishna consciousness, there's no more envy, there's no more arrogance, there's joy. Sri Adwaita was the greatest of the Vaishnavas. He was constantly immersed in Krishna and constantly immersed in the joy of Kirtan and Japa. And he understood in this age of Kali, this is the, this is the most powerful, accessible means for people to attain Krishna's love. So he was feeling such deep compassion for the conditioned souls. He was feeling our suffering. He was seeing not only the time at the place of Navadweep 500 years ago, he was seeing into the future. He was seeing 2015 <laughs> in Mumbai and every other year and every other place and every other heart of every other living being because he's Mahabishnu. Do you know why we exist? Because he glanced. <laughs> materially, we exist because we're eternal souls. But material, the cosmic manifestation, he, he exhaled and the entire um, universes manifested from his breath. And within the cloud of the Mahatattva, with a single moment of a glance, he impregnated the cosmic manifestation with all the living beings who were meant to take birth. Then he became Garbhodakshai Vishnu and Brahma came and actually made, and within each universe, made the particular facilities of the bodies and the, and the planets and everything in which we would take birth. But the seeds of all the living beings glance. So Sri Adwaita, he knows everything. And he's seeing the, from the perspective of one who loves God. He's in the role of a devotee. And with his compassion, he wanted Krishna to personally appear to give the spontaneous love of Vrindavan to the people of this age who were the most in need. 
Such a compassion. The people who were the worst, he wanted Krishna to come and give them the best. So it is described that Sri Advaita in his prayers he remembered a verse from the Gotamiya Tantra which describes if someone offers a tosi leaf and water with love and devotion to the Lord, the Lord will fulfill that person's desires. He had such faith in that verse. He spent practically his life from then on <coughs> offering Lord Krishna the water of the Ganges and Tulsi leaves and manjaris. And while he was making the offerings, he was loudly crying in compassion for all of us. Krishna, come. Give them your mercy. At around that same time, Haridas Thakur had come to the Shantipur area where Adwaitacharya was living. We read in Chaitanya Charitamrita how Haridas Thakur, the, one of the reasons he was moving from place to place is he was always being abused. He was always being discriminated against. He was born from an untouchable family by social caste standards. And yet he was such a great devotee of Krishna. In Bainapal, he was just living in a forest, chanting. But because he was such an attractive, compassionate person, so many people were accepting him like their guru. And Ramchandra Khan was so envious of him, he couldn't tolerate it. Ramchandra Khan was a very, very wealthy person from a very high caste. He was very learned. He was very proud of his spiritual merits. He couldn't... This untouchable is more popular than me. People are going to him for self-realization. He must be destroyed. So he sent a prostitute to come in the middle of the night to violate the chastity of Haridas. He was determined. But the prostitute became a great devotee and accepted Haridas as her guru and shaved her head and just put on a white gown. And Haridas said, you stay here in my little kutir and worship Tulsi and chant 300,000 names a day and I'll go. And he left. He went to Chandpur. And there he was insulted by, by uh, a Brahmin named Chakravarti. He was insulting him so terribly. So he, then he went to Fuliagram and Shantipur and he met Advaitacharya. This is really important to understand because Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught by his example and the example of his devotees. Sri Advaita Prabhu was performing his puja of Ganga Jal and Tulsi. 
offerings. When Haridas Thakur came, Adwaitacharya immediately welcomed him. And they became the most intimate, loving friends and associates. Haridas Thakur, in the same spirit as Sri Adwaita Prabhu, was calling for Lord Krishna to descend to show his mercy to this world. And his worship was the constant chanting of the holy names. Adwaitacharya was the topmost leader of the Brahman community. Hadidas Thakur, by caste, was an untouchable. He was considered by many to be a malecha and a yavan. Adwaitacharya was a grihasta. He had wife, he had six children. Haridas Thakur was a brahmachari his whole life. Adwaitacharya had a really nice house and land. Haridas Thakur just lived in caves. So they were very different types of people. But why did Lord Chaitanya come? very much on the basis of teaching us the unity when Krishna is in the middle of our lives, when he's in the center of our lives and we build our relationships according to that, then the variegatedness of our relationships, unity and diversity, they're so pleasing to Krishna. There's a famous verse that Lord Vishnu spoke to the Prachetas. There were ten brothers. They were living together underwater for many, many years. Now usually, how good do even two brothers get along in this world? <laughs> even if you have a nice house, what to speak of living underwater together? Ten. And Vishnu said, because of your friendly relationships with each other, I'm pleased to come here and offer you all benedictions. So Krishna is very pleased with unity and diversity. A Brahman and an untouchable. A Grihasta and a Brahmacharya. They were the best of friends. Well, wherever Haridas was going, he was being discriminated against because of his low birth. By their um, evaluation, when Advaitacharya performed the shraddha for his forefathers, which in those days in Bengal was a very, very important part. It's, it was the highlight of the year. 
And being the leader of the Brahmins, when he did the Shraddha, it was a very prominent festival that every Brahmin had to attend. And the culmination is you choose the most qualified of all the Brahmins and honor that person by giving him the first prasad. And in front of all of the other Brahmins, Sri Adwaitacharya called Haridas Thakur to be honored as the senior most qualified person. And even Haridas was really embarrassed. And Adwaita said, by feeding you, I am feeding tens and millions of Brahmins. Because he loved Krishna. So the love and respect between the Grihastha community and the Brahmachari community is very much symbolized here. Haridas was living in caves. He's traveling around. Adwaita had a nice house in Navadweep, nice house in Shantipur. He had an ancestral home in Navagram in Bangladesh area. It's not that there was any enmity. There was no ego. They saw one thing. Haridas Thakur Sanadwaita, the loving desire to please Krishna. And Adwaita saw in Haridas the loving desire to please Krishna. Together they were instruments of compassion for the whole world. Haridas Thakur wasn't chanting all day for himself. And Adwaita wasn't doing puja all day for himself. They shared the mission of the Lord. They shared this compassion for the suffering of humanity and all beings. And in this way, they would come together every day. Adwaita would invite Haridas for prasad. And they not only took prasad together, but they discussed Krishna consciousness together. They discussed their, their, their need to bring the Lord to the world together. And they chanted and danced together. It is this example that Lord Chaitanya actually magnified as one of the three reasons why he descended to this world. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted to teach this principle of unity and diversity in the relationships of those who are actually his devotees. His Shakti in the Panchatattva is Gadadhar Pandit. Gadadhar Pandit was a lifelong Brahmachari. 
He never had the slightest tinge of any desire for anything material. He was really, really simple. He was always chanting, he was always hearing about Krishna, he was always doing puja to Krishna. And by Lord Chaitanya's arrangement, who did he accept as his guru? Pundarik Vijanati. This is unity and diversity. <laughs> Pundarik Vijanidi was a Grihastha. Gadadhar Pandit was a Brahmachari. Gadadhar Pandit lived in the little simple Kutir. Pundarik Vijanidi lived in a big, beautiful home. Gadadhar Pandit just wore a simple Vaishnav sadhu clothes. Pundarik Vijanidi, he wore beautiful silks with all kinds of um, embroidery and like the kind of clothes they make up there for Radha Gopinath. That is, he would have people making clothes like that for him. <laughs> and he used to wear jewels and necklaces and he used to put... He had long hair that he combed very thoroughly and he put very expensive oils in his hair that smelled very nice, fragrant. <laughs> and when Gadadhar Pandit was invited by Mukunda to meet this Pundarik Vidyanidhi, a great devotee, he saw Pundarik Vidyanidhi dressed in such beautiful, elegant clothes and finely scented hairs and in ornaments. And he was sitting on a beautiful bed with pillows all around him, nice pillows. <laughs> Gadadhar was thinking, this is a great devotee. <laughs> and he was chewing on these very, very um, costly spices. And every now and then he would look in the mirror and see himself and, s <laughs> and smile. <laughs> and he had servants on either side fanning him with chamaras. So Gadadhar didn't say anything, but he was thinking in his mind, I thought I was being brought to meet a great Vaishnava. <laughs> because from a brahmachari's perspective, that's, they don't see like that. But Mukunda understood his mind and chanted a beautiful verse from Srimad Bhagavatam, describing Krishna. Uddhava is offering this prayer of love who else can I offer my heart to than Krishna, who is so merciful? Then even the sister of Bakasura, Putana, who came with a deadly purpose to murder him when he was only an infant child, Krishna gave her the liberation of his own mother in the spiritual world. When he chanted that verse, Pundarik Vedinidhi went into a state of complete transcendental ecstasy, ananda. 
And when Gadadhar saw that, he understood. He really loves Krishna. And then all the apparently relative differences between them were finished. And Gadadhar sent to Lord Chaitanya. He said, I want to accept Pundarik Vidyanidhi as my guru. What is your feeling? And Lord Chaitanya said, yes, he is my father. There is no one so great as Pundarik Vidyanidhi. And Gadadhar took initiation from him. There is Sukadukkha, there is material happiness, and there is Ananda, spiritual happiness. When we're on this platform of always searching for this happiness and trying to dis- trying trying to find happiness and avoid distress within the material world, we miss out on ananda, real happiness. Real happiness comes when we give up our desire for selfish happiness. When we simply know that when Krishna's pleased, that's my happiness. when we appreciate Krishna being happy, that's the happiness of the soul. That is seva. We speak about seva, but actual seva is when our true purpose in life is simply to do what makes Krishna happy. And what makes Krishna happy? Krishna tells to serve and please my devotees is a greater happiness than pleasing me. And that is the principle. Despite the differences, Pundarik Vijayanidhi loved Gadadhar and Gadadhar loved Pundarik Vijayanidhi. Haridas Thakur loved Adwaita and Adwaita loved Haridas. They were so different. But it was the relationship between Pundarik Vidyanidhi, I mean, between Adwaitacharya and Haridas Thakur, that was so much the reason why Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu descended to this world. Lord Chaitanya always treated Adwaitacharya as his superior because he was elder, he was the age of his grandfather, and he was also the leader of the Brahmin community and such a great devotee and so deeply knowledgeable. Lord Chaitanya would go to touch his feet and Adwaita would try to stop him. But Lord Chaitanya had long arms. <laughs> Adwaita could never stop him. And Adwaita always tried to get Lord Chaitanya's dust from his feet, but he could never reach it. Lord Chaitanya was not allowing. So this was the relationship. Lord Chaitanya honored Adwaita so much. At one time, Lord Chaitanya, um, he 
He wanted to teach a beautiful lesson. He wanted to teach the lesson that we should not offend Vaishnavas, whoever we are. Srivas, when Lord Chaitanya was giving mercy to everyone, he said, please give love of Krishna to your mother, Sachi Devi. Lord Chaitanya said, no, I cannot give to Sachi Devi. <laughs> the devotees were shocked. She's your mother. She's given everything for you. He said, Lord Chaitanya said, she has made an offense to Adwaita. What was that offense? It wasn't even offense. But Lord Chaitanya wanted to teach a lesson through his devotees. What happened is this. Vrindavan Das Thakur explains it in great detail. Sachi Mata and Jagannath Mishra, they had many daughters. But all those daughters died just after birth. And finally, they had a son named Vishwarup, who was actually an expansion of Lord Nityananda, Balaram. He was so attractive. He loved Krishna. And when he grew into a teenage boy, he would just spend almost all day with Adwaita Prabhu and the other devotees having kirtan and discussing Krishna. He had no interest in anything else. There's a beautiful story how once Sachimata told little Nimai, who was born after Vishwarup, Go to Adwaita's house and bring Vishwarup for prasad. So little Nimai ran over to the house of Adwaita in Navadweep and said to Vishwarup that mother is calling, prasad is ready, and then he pulled Vishwarup by the dodi. When little Nimai came, he was just a small boy covered with dust from playing. Adwaita and the other Vaishnavas, they were discussing Krishna. But when they saw him, they didn't know he was Krishna. But their love for Krishna awakened more than in, in such a way that it was un, inconceivable to them. They were so attracted by the beauty of little Nimai. They just looked at him. They couldn't even talk about Krishna anymore. And then Nimai took Vishwarup away. And Advaita and the devotees were wondering, who is this boy? How is he attracting our hearts like this? So Vishwarup, he would go home for prasad. And whenever he was at home, he would just be in the temple worshiping Krishna. And when he wasn't at home, he was at Advaita's house. So his parents decided he should, he should be married. It's the right time. 
and they were just making arrangements. When he heard about that, in the middle of the night, without saying anything to anyone, he left home. And really soon after that, the news came, he became a sannyasi. Little Vishwarupa, a teenage boy, became a sannyasi. His name became Shankararanya. And he never came home again. He traveled throughout India, ultimately to Pandarapur. So it was very, very great um, separation in the hearts of Jagannath Mishra and Sachi Devi. Their eldest son has left, and they loved him so dearly. The only reason they lived is Nimai would tell them that I'm here. I will be with you. They lived only for him. But then Jagannath Mishra had a dream. He had a dream where Nimai was a sannyasi. <laughs> and Adwaita and all the devotees were chanting and dancing all around him and worshiping him. And he was crying when he got up. He was really in the... In, in the while he was sleeping, he was, no, Nimai, Nima. And Sachimata said, what happened, what happened? And he told this dream. He said, I think Nimai's going to leave us also and take sannyas. And Sachidevi said, no, no, he will not take sannyas. He's so attached to his studies and he loves us so much. And, but after that dream, Jagannath Mishra left his body just with the imminent thought that Nimai would leave. So Sachimata was now a widow and she only lived for Nimai. But after Nimai went to Gaya and received initiation from Ishwara Puri, he was always with the devotees chanting and dancing <laughs> and discussing Krishna. And when Sachi Mata was thinking that now my Nimai is becoming disinterested in everything except being with the devotees and Adwaita is the leader of the devotees, why is Adwaita doing this? He took away my eldest son, and now it appears he's going to take away my only other son. I only live for Nimai. I'm a widow. I have nothing. I only have my child. And now this Adoita, he's going to take him away by his influence. She didn't say anything to anyone. She was just thinking this. And she did say, that people call him a doita, but actually he's doita. <laughs> That's all she did. But Nimai said she could not get love of Krishna because she offended a great devotee. So when, when they told a doita about this, and he came before Lord Chaitanya, and when he was thinking, Sachimata. She's 
she's Yashoda, she's Devaki, she's Aditi, she's Anasuya, she's, she's Mother Ganga. She's the mother of the universe. She's Sachinan. She's the mother of my beloved Lord. She's devotion personified. Just thinking about Sachi Mata's qualities, Adoita fell unconscious. And at that moment, Sachi Mata put her head on the feet of Adoita. Because Adoita couldn't imagine giving the dust of his feet to Sachi. And when Sachi felt the devotion of Adoita by touching his feet, she went unconscious. So they were both laying unconscious. And Lord Chaitanya was watching. And then he said, Sachimata, today I give you love for Krishna. (laughs) So the great Acharyas explained that the purpose of this pastime was Lord Chaitanya wanted to show how his devotees are so dear to him, how devotees are so loved by him, that even if his own mother, who's the very mother of all bhakti, offends a devotee, he will not give his complete mercy. To please Krishna is to be the servant of the servant of the servant of That is what Krishna has revealed to us. We could have our own opinions and our own evaluations and our own justifications, but this is the way Lord Chaitanya taught us. He came in the role of his own devotee to teach us how to be devotees, and he brought his own eternal associates from the spiritual world to teach us by their example. And the most prominent example that they taught us is in their relationships with each other. Despite all of the external differences that they had. Pundarik Vidyanidhi was such a wealthy man. And Kalavecha Sridhar was in utter poverty. But during the kirtans and throughout any other time, they were one in heart. And when Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would see the unity of his devotees chanting and dancing together, that was his great joy. Incredible how the Lord and his associates took such humble positions in this Avatar, Rupa Goswami tells, most magnanimous. Nityananda Prabhu, another member of Panchatattva, who broke open the storehouse of love of Godhead, tasted and distributed it. He's Balaram. And we read in Srimad Bhagavatam the prowess of Balaram. 
Gargamuni gave him this name when he was just an infant boy because he would he would take such pleasure in dis, in, in displaying his strength, his spiritual strength. In Hastinapur, all the greatest, most powerful generals and and soldiers of the Kuru dynasty, when they got a little proud and made an aparad to Krishna, Balaram took his plow and one strike to the ground. <laughs> the whole Hastinapur separated from the rest of the earth. Hastinapur was kingdom, most powerful kingdom in the world. Bhishma was there. Drona was there. And then effortlessly with one hand because he with his plow he was pulling Hastinapur to throw it in the Ganges did they get on their chariots to attack Balaram they got off their chariots They came before him and bowed down with folded palms and said, Balaram, please forgive us. That's the power of Balaram. Romaharshan Sutta, just to teach the world a good lesson, that even if you're very learned, even if you have the best guru, even if you're honored and worshipped by other sages, If you're arrogant and you don't offer respects to others, you're not qualified. And by touching Ramaharshan with a blade of grass, Ramaharshan, his life ended. That's Balaram. So many beautiful stories. He's the origin of Anantashesha who holds all the universes on his head. Namo Mahabharanyaya Krishna Premapadayate. But Lord Nityananda came with Lord Chaitanya in the role of a devotee and took such a humble position. Balaram was going house to house with Haridas Thakur, who's Lord Brahma. What is the power of Lord Brahma? But as Lord Chaitanya's associates, in the role of devotees, they took such humble positions. Lord Brahma is getting persecuted <laughs> for being an untouchable, and he's just humbly everyone's well-wisher. Balaram and Brahma are a preaching team as Nitai and Haridas. And they're going house to house asking everyone, please chant the names of Krishna. Please worship Krishna. Please talk about Krishna. Krishna is your mother and your father, your wealth and your life. If you just chant Krishna's names, you will be my life and soul. And even when Jagai and Madhai 
smashed Nityananda Prabhu on the head with a pot and made him bleed. As Balaram, he could have reacted, but he just stood there bleeding and begged them, please take the name of Krishna, I forgive you. And ultimately they became Paramhamsa, Mahabhagavata devotees, Jagayan Madhai, by the mercy of Nityananda Prabhu. When the simple townspeople of Navadweep came to Lord Chaitanya with gifts, he gave them a simple message. He said, just chant this Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare. Do japa of these names and come together with your family and your friends and chant kirtan of these names. Whether you're alone or whether you're five or ten or twenty, you could clap your hands, you could play instruments. Come together and chant this holy name. There's no hard and fast rules. Whatever you're doing, include Krishna's name. In this way, you will become my life and soul. And when Lord Chaitanya would come out and see the devotees chanting, these common people, whoever they were, whether they were rich or poor, learned or illiterate, if he saw anybody together chanting and clapping and kirtan together, he was so pleased. He would, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who's Radha Krishna, it describes in the scriptures when Radha Krishna appear, all all the other avatars are within the body of Krishna. Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. When Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was here, Narasimha was within him. Sometimes he manifested that form of Narasimha. Varaha was within him. One time he was walking down the street with Srivas and he happened to hear somebody's reciting Vishnu Sahasradam and they said the name of Narasimha. And Almeida, he manifested his Narasimha bhav. He roared. And people were running away to total fear. <laughs> and Shriva said, please Lord, you're scaring people away. <laughs> and Lord Chaitanya came back to external consciousness and said, I'm very sorry, I scared people. And Shriva said, no, 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 you shouldn't be sorry, because anyone who saw you got liberated. <laughs> so he became Narasimha. To Chankazi, he appeared as Narasimha Dev, actually. To Marari Gupta, he came to Marari's house. He heard the name of Varaha. <laughs> so he appeared in the form of Varaha Dev and went into Marari's temple and there was a little water pot, a lota, and he put it in his tusks and he's dancing. To Advaita Charya, he manifested his Virat Rupa, his universal form, the same form he showed Arjuna in the battle of Kurukshetra. 
he manifested his bhav and his rupa of Dattatreya to Sachi Devi. When he took the sacred thread from his father and he went out to, to get that um, bakshish, he appeared as Vam, in his form of Vamanadev. So all of the incarnations are within Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And yet Lord Chaitanya, whoever it may be, man, woman, or child, old or young, whoever was chanting Krishna's name together with others, Lord Chaitanya was bowing down to them with his heart. He would personally put a garland on them. He would personally make chandan and decorate their bodies. And with tears in his eyes, he would thank them. He would tell them, you are my life and soul because you have accepted Krishna. That was the example he established. And that was the example of his devotees, Nitai, Hadidas, Advaita, Srivas. Srivas is Narada Muni. It's a fast day, so I guess I'm not interfering with your prasad. Srivas <laughs> <laughs> is Narada Muni. What is his powers? Narada Muni, Narada Muni Bajaiv. Vina Radhika Ramana Name. He's traveling around the universe. He goes to Vaikuntha, he goes to Indraloka, he goes to Shivaloka, anywhere. He's the guru of the Mahajans, Prahlad. He's the guru of Dhruva. He's the guru of the Prachetas. He's the guru of Valmiki Muni, the author of Ramayan. Very powerful person. In Krishna Leela, when Narada Muni came to Kamsa's palace, Kamsa bowed down to him. <laughs> huh? Kamsa offered so many obliged, or, um, uh, sweet words to Narada Muni. This is his power. Magrari, the most wicked hunter became a Paramhamsa, pure Vaishnav. So that Narada Muni, just to assist Krishna in his most magnanimous pastimes as Lord Chaitanya, appeared as Srivas. Narada Muni is really a brahmachari. By his... Um, influence, all the sons of Daksha became brahmacharis. Now, let us see if any of our brahmacharis would dare to preach to Daksha's sons, (laughs) knowing that Daksha would be really angry. The demigods bow down to my Daksha, he's so powerful. But Narada Muni is fearless. But yet he comes as Srivas, and he's a Grihastha. He has a wife, Malini. 
And he honors her and respects her with such devotion and love. And he has a son. And as Narada Muni, when they're during the, how the, the kirtans in his home at night, Gopal Chapala was a Brahmin. And he was outraged by this Srivas. Why doesn't he let me in? So he wanted to disgrace Srivas. So he put all sorts of puja um, paraphernalia for those who are really, really in the lower modes of ignorance. He put it in front of his house. And then he started broadcasting that Srivas is pretending to be a great devotee, but actually, secretly, this is what he is. And because Gopal Chapala broadcast it like that, people came and they saw. And Srivas came out, and he didn't deny it. He just said, yes, yes, this is what I do at night secretly. But nobody believed him. This is Narada Muni. Such a humble position as Srivas Thakur. And while Lord Chaitanya was chanting in his house, Srivas's son died. And all the ladies were crying, and Srivas came into the room and said, What happened? He said, Your son just died. Of course he loved his son. But he loved Lord Chaitanya so much. He said, Lord Chaitanya is dancing in ecstasy. If he finds out my son died, it will disturb his ecstasy. So everyone cries silently so you don't disturb him. And he said, and if you disturb his dancing, then I will have to jump in the Ganga and end my life. This is his Anand. His Anand is Lord Chaitanya's pleasure. And the kirtan went on for hours and hours and hours, and Srivas was dancing with all the devotees. And Lord Chaitanya finally stopped the kirtan and said, I feel some sadness in this house. Did something happen? Nobody said anything. And Lord Chaitanya looked at Srivas. Did something happen in this house? And Srivas said, My Lord, with your dancing and chanting here, everything is auspicious and happy. That's all he said. Then another devotee said, Actually, Srivas's son died. Many hours ago. Lord Chaitanya said, Why didn't anybody tell me? Srivas didn't want to disturb your happiness. Lord Chaitanya began to cry. He said, Srivas, you love me so much. You were way, even the death of your own son, you put that aside so that it wouldn't interfere with my happiness. How could I ever be separated from a devotee like you, whose love for me is so much? Narada Muni, 
appeared in such a humble role in the example that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was giving to the world. And Gadadhar Pandit, he's Srimati Radharani directly, but he's a brahmachari for life. And while he was living in Puri, so many beautiful pastimes. Lord Chaitanya would come to his house every day at Totagopinath Temple. And the two of them would discuss Srimad Bhagavatam. Lord Chaitanya, the greatest ultimate happiness was hearing Srimad Bhagavatam being spoken by Gadadhar Pandit. By hearing the beautiful kirtan of Swarup Ramadhar Goswami. Because Srimad Bhagavatam, what is Srimad Bhagavatam? Srimad Bhagavatam, it is described, after Krishna left this world, he personally descended and incarnated as the Srimad Bhagavatam. And the very essence and purpose of Srimad Bhagavatam is Dharma Projita Kaitavatra. It puts aside artha, dhamma, kama, moksha, everything, just to establish pure unalloyed devotional service. And its culmination is in the love of Sri Radha for Krishna. We read about the Pandavas and about Dhruva and Prahlad, Ambarish, Prachetas, Ranti Dev, we read about Gajendra's surrender, but it all culminates with Krishna's Vrindavan Leela. And in Krishna's Vrindavan Leela, the devotees have Krishna opens his heart with such intimacy to his devotees that the cowherd boys are jumping on his shoulders, thinking he's my friend. And Yashoda Mai, not only does she sometimes bind up Krishna with rope, but she's thinking that Krishna is completely helpless and depends on me for his nourishment and protection. And the gopis sometimes chastise Krishna. And it describes that when the gopis chastise Krishna, he completely forgets all the sages who are chanting Vedic hymns to him. <laughs> that is the spontaneity of his love. And Kaviraj Goswami tells us that of each of the t- different types of devotees, Dasyaras, Sakyaras, Vatsalyaras, Madhuryaras, they all naturally feel that their love for Krishna is best. Yayatamam papadyante tamstataiva bhajamya. 
Krishna reveals himself and reciprocates according to how we surrender. So for the servants of Krishna, there's nothing else they would want to do. For them, it's the best. For Hanuman, Seva Taram is the best. <laughs> for Kosalya, motherly affection for Ram is the ultimate highest. For the Gopas, playing with Krishna in the cowherd bull, with the other boys and joking and dancing and stealing each other's prasad and taking care of Krishna's loving cows and calves, there's nothing higher than this. And Fernanda, Yashoda, there can absolutely be nothing higher than the ecstasy of the love of having Krishna completely depending on your love. And for the gopis, nothing could be sweeter than loving Krishna as your supreme and exclusive beloved. So in that sense, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami tells that everyone, Krishna, reciprocates in such a way that whatever love they are feeling from him and with him is the highest for them. But if we look at it objectively, the Sringharas, or the love of the gopis, is the highest because it includes every other type of love. The nature of gopis, they are willing to suffer any situation forever if it gives Krishna a moment of pleasure. That is the purity of their love. The love of this world, on the basis of the mind and senses, is called kama. It has a beginning and an end. It's based on misconception and all too often various levels of selfishness. But when that propensity to love is directed toward Krishna, the supreme object of every soul's love, that love is selfless. The gopis want nothing for themselves. They only want Krishna's happiness. It's the purest love. And when, when Krishna met with the gopis on bank of Yamuna in the forest of Vrindavan, and he saw how they gave up everything only for his pleasure, Krishna told them, that your love is so great, I cannot repay it. And Kaviraj Goswami explains it in this way. Krishna made a promise that according to your surrender, I will reciprocate accordingly. But the gopi's love was so great that Krishna had to admit the breaking of his promise. He said, your love for me is so great, I cannot reciprocate accordingly. I have no power to do so. I give you my heart. I give you myself. I'm forever your debtor. 
forever in debt. And of the gopis, the perfection of that love culminates in the source of all love, Srimati Radharani, the Hladini Shakti. Krishna is the Vishaya Vigraha, the ultimate object of all love. And Krishna, Sri Radharani is Ashray Vigraha, the ultimate abode of all love. The Srimad Bhagavatam culminates with revealing to the world from the mouth of Sukadev Goswami the supreme treasure house of Sri Radha's love. That is Srimad Bhagavatam. At Tautu Gopinath Temple, it was Gadadhar Pandit speaking Srimad Bhagavatam to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Vrindavan Das Thakur tells every story of the Srimad Bhagavatam, every, every word of Srimad Bhagavatam is springing from Sri Radha's love. When Lord Chaitanya met Devananda Pandit, the great speaker of Bhagavatam, he told him, Whenever you talk Bhagavatam, every word is only intended to awaken pure devotional service. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was Krishna coming to taste the sweetness of Radha's love. Gadadhar Pandit is Srimati Radharani herself as a subordinate devotee of Lord Chaitanya. And for hours and hours every day together they would taste the sweetness of Srimad Bhagavatam. And when Gadadhar Pandit would and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would discuss the pastimes of Dhruva or Prahlad, Lord Chaitanya would have Gadadhar read it over again. Dhruva Maharaj stories, many chapters. After reading the whole thing, most of us would say, okay, let's go on to the next. <laughs> Lord Chaitanya would say, read it again. Gadadhar Pandit would read it. Second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time. Lord Chaitanya could not hear the story of Dhruva Maharaj less than 100 times in a row before he could go on to the next story. And the same with Prahlad Maharaj. Now here's Radharani, Gadadhar, with Krishna Radha, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, discussing Dhruva and discussing Prahlad over and over and over again, weeping tears and tears and tears. That's how much the Lord appreciates bhakti, devotion. And the culmination is the tenth canto. The beautiful pastimes of Vrindavan. 
Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with his associates came to give us that. The love of the residents of Vrindavan. And they all assumed such magnanimous forms as devotees with such humility, with such forgiveness and tolerance. And it's not that we should hear these stories and think, well, that's them, they're great. It's true. We cannot imitate them. But the reason they're having pastimes like this is to give an example for us that we must follow if we want to please them. Today's verse, the Panchatattva. Lord Chaitanya appeared in five features to come to this world to teach by their examples. And their greatest example, they were totally united with one another, tasting the sweetness of loving devotional service to Sri Krishna through the nine processes of devotional service, primarily kirtans of the Holy Name. And tasting the sweetness of the holy names together, sharing it with one another, and distributing it to the people in general. This was Lord Chaitanya's mission, to taste the sweetness of pure bhakti and to distribute it through the chanting of the holy names. That is the lila of the panchatattva, Srila Prabhupada, he fully realized this truth. And from Sri Brindavan Dham, where he made his home, he traveled to Navadweep. but he came to Bombay also. <laughs> so I'll start over again. From Brindavandam, Srila Prabhupada lived for many years in the place of Krishna's Raslila, Radha Damodar temple, meditating on Sri Rupa Goswami's mercy. Namo Mahabharanyaya Krishna Premapadaya. Praying for Sri Rupa Goswami's blessings to fulfill the order that he received from his Guru Maharaj, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, to share the message of Lord Chaitanya with the whole world. From his home, his eternal home in Brindavan, he came to Mumbai, where 
like a beggar. He wasn't begging for money. He was begging for the opportunity to fulfill his guru's order. Here in in Mumbai, he begged Sumati Maharaji, give me passage on your cargo ship to America. And he went to Navadweep, where he prayed for the blessings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he prayed for the mercy of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Prabhupada at his samadhi. And he prayed for the blessings of Sri Adwaitacharya at Shantipur. And then from Calcutta, he boarded the Jalatuta. Because even at the age of just on the verge of 70 years old, He wanted to assist the Panchatattva in distributing the storehouse, the contents of the storehouse of love of God everywhere without discrimination. Such faith. That was 1965. And this is a very special Gorpurnima because this is the year of Gorpurnima, which is the 50th anniversary year of when Srila Prabhupada came from Vrindavan to Mumbai. Where he was giving Bhagavad Katas here in Mumbai 50 years ago. It was here that he sat on the steps of Sumati Maharaji's office. She said, I will not give you a ticket, Swamiji, because America is very cold. The people, the weather, everything. (laughs) (coughs) You are too old, you will die. If I send you there, you will die. I cannot send you there. She was a devotee of Krishna very dear devotee of Srinathji, who's here in our temple. She was a great devotee of the Pushti Marg of Sripad Balabhacharya. She loved Prabhupada. She kind of had like that affection, I cannot. But Prabhupada he sat at the doorstep and she sent his secretary, what is he doing sitting in the steps? He said, I will not. She, they said, we, she, she sent Prasad to him. He said, I will not eat until I get a ticket. <laughs> so she gave him the ticket on a cargo ship. That wonderful pastime of Prabhupada's Leela in Mumbai was 50 years ago. And once he got his passage on Jaladuta, which was living from Calcutta, and he went to Navadweep, and he went to Shantipur, and then on 
Friday the 13th of August, 1965, he boarded Javadutta. So today it is the glorious day of Gaur Purnima on the year of the 50th anniversary of Srila Prabhupada's departing from Mumbai <laughs> and Calcutta to spread the mission of the Panchatattva all over the world. Let us very sincerely try to receive with grateful hearts the great sacrifice of Srila Prabhupada, what he has given us. He's given us the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy is the example that he and his devotees established to teach us how each and every one of us can awaken that highest treasure of Brahma Bhakti, love for Krishna, and how dear we will be to them if we share it with each other and share it with the world. Gratitude is expressed through how we follow with the purpose of pleasing our beloved Srila Prabhupada as the servant of the servant of the servant of his servants without false prestige, without ulterior motives. That simple state of mind will attract Krishna's limitless ocean of mercy. Let us celebrate today and forevermore together. Let us raise our arms and very gratefully loudly share our hearts while chanting the Maha Mantra. Louder, please. (laughs) 
much, much, much louder.